Hello listener, it's the host of Campbell's Football's Grant Campbell here, with a message to every one of you listening to this podcast. Please keep safe during this very stressful time with the outbreak of coronavirus affecting not just football, but our everyday lives. Make sure your friends and family are safe during this very stressful time for many of us, not just physically, but mentally too. But Campbell's Footballs will still be producing podcasts. However, there will be very few predictions because obviously there's not much football going on at the moment. I have a few in-conversation specials though, which I'm sure you would love to listen to. But at the end of the day, please make sure that you look after yourselves. Take the time to listen to the show in your own home, with friends and family. And remember that we are all in this together. So take care, be safe, and I'll see you soon. Well, welcome back, listener, to the Campbell's Footballs podcast. I'm joined for this episode uh, by defender Conrad Balatoni. Conrad, a massive welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me on, Grant. It's good to be on. Yeah, I'm really pleased to have you on as well, mate. How's um, things going for you at the moment? Obviously, no football on the go, and it's a very strange time at the moment with coronavirus. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit strange. Um, I'm in a position where I'm currently just living at my mum's just now because me and my partner have got a house that's been renovated. Mm. Um, her parents are at high risk and they're not even allowed to leave leave the house. So I'm having to do all their shopping. So I've said to them that I would go straight stay with my mum just now and I'll do the, all the dirty work for them pretty much. So right. I'm not seeing I'm not seeing her and I'm not seeing my wee boy for the last three or four weeks. Oh, so it's a bit rums. bit annoying, but. You know, safety first and all that. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And uh, I think I speak for yourself and for everybody in that situation that please do take care. Uh, Everyone's physical health is important, but making sure you have strong mental health at a time like this is is so, so important. It's so unprecedented. It really is such a strange time. And very difficult how to react to a situation like this. Yeah, it is is, is strange. And uh, you you just got to take it, you know, day by day, really. you know, we've put the lockdown on, lockdown on for another three weeks now. So, you know, it's going to be a good month and a half, two months. I think that we're going to be inside, or you know, not meant, not meant to go be, be going out and seeing your friends and stuff like that. So, you got to be mentally strong, and you know, it's part and parcel of life. I think sometimes, you know, things happen, and you just got to deal with it the best you can, and, and move on, and then you know, appreciate what happens after this, and you know, hopefully, people will realise that actually, yeah, it's what the life they've got. Yeah, is, absolutely. Is really beneficial to them. Yeah, definitely. Have you been keeping fit? Have you been doing things like the Joe Wicks uh, training, which has been really popular during this uh, lockdown period? I hope no one from Edinburgh City is listening to this. But no, I'm not. <laughs> I've, um, I, uh, I've decided that because I, I kind of knew early on that the season wasn't going to get finished, I just had a feeling, and I just think there was no feasible way of playing games past um, the end of this season um, yeah. I have played quite a lot of football over the last probably year and a half two years I think I've played about 80 90 games mm. um, and being part time you know that take, it takes its toll on you Yeah. so I, I said to myself you know if I'm not going to get away in the summer I'm just going to re- rest up now get my body back to 
mm-hmm. yeah. condition it and then start probably planning myself for pre-season yeah. come June, July. So I mean, I probably will start going out for the odd run and that here and maybe doing circuits, but I've had a couple of back problems. I've had a sore knee, so mm. I've just been wanting to take it easy and just rest up and, you know... Well, this is it. You know, enjoy it. Recuperation at a time like this is can be can be important. You know, you only have to look at people like Harry Kane at Tottenham, who, you know, was going to be out for the rest of the season. This is an opportunity for him to rehabilitate and get him back to full fitness as well. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, I think a lot of people maybe just think, oh, footballers, um, they should be fit and stuff like that, but... If anyone's been to Edinburgh City and they've been to the ground that we play at Ainsley Park, they'll have seen the state of the AstroTurf. Yeah. And, you know, AstroTurf, to me, it just, it's been taking its toll on my body for the last probably five or six years because I think the majority of the clubs I've been at have played on AstroTurf. Yeah, yeah. And I'm seeing a massive difference in um, in my body from playing mm-hmm. on AstroTurf mm-hmm. every day, training on AstroTurf yeah. every day. Um, and I just feel like now like I deserve a, a little bit of a break and get my body back to yeah. normality and, then, you know, hopefully... Uh, go again in June, July and you know get myself back up to tip-top condition for the start of the next season. Yeah, how difficult is that comparing playing on AstroTurf to grass? Because I've never really asked that question to a lot of the professional football players, but obviously more and more that is becoming um, the case, especially with teams like Kilmarnock, Livingston in, in the Scottish Premiership. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, I've played with um, Kilmarnock, Falkirk, and Edinburgh City, and they all had AstroTurf. That's right. Now, I, I don't mind AstroTurf. Um, I mm. actually think it's quite good if, if it's a good AstroTurf. Now, the problem I have with AstroTurf is that if it's not maintained and if it's not kept and it's poor, you shouldn't be playing on it. Yeah. Now, if a club can maintain the AstroTurf and maintain the, the actual... AstroTurf itself and keep it in good condition then I've got no problem with it mm. it's when it starts getting flat it's when it gets bobbly and that's when it really takes its toll yeah. I think because yeah. you've got you're basically running on concrete underneath it yeah. yeah, I know. I know it's a massive difference from playing on grass on a Saturday to my recovery um, to playing on the AstroTurf. I recover about two or three days after playing on AstroTurf just now, yeah. and after grass, I'm pretty much ready to go on a Monday. Yeah, and that's yeah. the difference. I feel it's a, it's a recovery times, and I think the majority of people will say that to you if you ask them, is that after a game on AstroTurf it always takes an extra day or two mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. fully recover from that well, because that's interesting. Yeah. No, that's interesting to hear that and I'm sure other players will be similar and, and maybe some will be very different to how you kind of cope uh, with that experience or they cope with their experience I should say. Let's talk about your career Conrad but let's start off at yeah. the beginning um, what made you want to go into football in the first place? Um, well I was always just mad into football from a young age. I lived down in Leeds. Um, just earliest memory of me was just kicking a balloon about, and then things just got from there. And then you you just get into that bubble of just playing football twenty four seven as a young young lad, and then it's your dream. And then you just think, oh, it's you get old and you realise, oh, it's a good lifestyle. Um, you can make some good money from it, and you know it's at the end of the day it keeps you fit it keeps you active I've, it was just always an ambition of mine to be a footballer and for some reason even when I was growing up in school they were all, uh, all my teachers was just like oh, what, what do you want to be when you're older and I was always just the only one in my class that's pretty much said I'm, I'm going to be a footballer and they says, well not a lot of people make it as a footballer says I but I'm going to make it as a footballer mm-hmm. and I just knew for some reason now don't get me wrong I've not made millions and millions in my, my career in my career but I've still had a good career from where 
um, I've played at and stuff like that. Yeah. And I always look back on that with yeah. you know happy memories. But it was just one of these things where I just knew and I just it just felt right that that's what I needed to be mm-hmm. and that's what I wanted to do throughout my whole childhood. Do you have to have a strong self belief that you can make it to be successful, not just in football but in any line of business? Yeah, I think so because if you look how many. Uh, children play football nowadays it's huge numbers and the, the, the majority of them probably won't make it into full time football and that's just being you know honest and that's a reality so you only you've got to make sure that you know you've got that mentality that you are going to make it you are going to be the best out of your age group you are going to be the best in your position at your age group so you can you know maintain yeah. being in football and yeah. have a decent career from it yeah um, so yeah, so you do have to be mentally strong and you know seriously, you know, believe in yourself as well. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of uh, inspirations, um, were your family a massive inspiration to yourself? And what about footballers that you ad- admired growing up as well? Who inspired? Uh, yeah, so so family-wise, um, I, my mum was my biggest inspiration. Uh, I lived with my mum and my two sisters when we moved up to Edinburgh. Um, dad wasn't really involved um, so it was always my mum that took me to training sessions took me to games so she was always the one that was like helping me you know if I had a bad game or if I you know wasn't feeling great um, she would always like lift my spirits up and stuff like that so uh, I always thank her for that um, with regards to um, kind of pl- players that I looked up to I've never really officially looked up to someone like I think oh my god like they're amazing like they're my idol I've thought players are really good and I've based kind of my game around them like I, I really really rate John Terry as one of the best centre-halves in the world so you know growing up I, when I started playing centre-half I was always looking at him and you could see the quality he had and how good he was and you, you take a little snippet from the likes of him and maybe like Rio Ferdinand and stuff like that and then you're you know I was a big heart fan when I was growing up so you know watching um, Stephen Presley, Andy Webster, and yes. all that type of stuff was obviously really beneficial to me as well. Yeah, you started your youth career at Hearts. I mean, obviously, getting the opportunity to play for a club that, uh, or start your career at a club that you supported growing up, uh, must have been a fabulous opportunity for you. Yeah, it was. It was amazing. Um, I still remember how it all happened. Really, I was on trial at Hibs for a little bit. Nothing really materialised there. <laughs> went uh, stay with my boys club Ferniside and um, I had a, a scout come to me after one of the games and with my manager as well he was like look we've been watching you for the last few weeks um, want you to come in and train and see how you go around the boys and stuff like that and um, like what we see blah 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 so I went in training and then you know it just kind of spiralled from there and then next thing I know I was signed permanently and then you know, at the age of 15, I signed a pre-contract to go into full-time at the age of 16. So mm-hmm. it all kind of happened within a couple of years that I was going to be, um, you know, going full-time. And I knew that I'd kind of realised my my ambition of at least becoming a, a, an apprentice. Yeah, and there must there was, must have been some high-profile players in that heart setup that you were battling against it to get into the team. That must have been quite hard to, to really get into that squad. Yeah, it, it was tough. Um, I mean, who did we have? We had the likes of Big Christoph Berrow Was he just got his move just after I came in? I think so. He was there. There was um, who was a Jose Congalves. There yeah. was Ismail Buzid. There was quite. There was loads of people. There was so many people that you forget half the names to be honest, because mm-hmm. it was through mm-hmm. the Romanov era. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, there was a lot of players, and you know, you did always think, you know, how am I ever going to break through? I was lucky enough that I was, you know, in a lot, of, quite a few of the matchday squads when I was about 
18, 18, early 19 maybe um, Got on the bench a couple of times um, But I never, unfortunately I never played for them In the yeah. first team which I'll always, you know Probably look back and wish yeah. I did yeah. I still do but at the same time You know, I probably wouldn't have had the career I had if I if that had happened well, So I always yeah. think everything happens for a reason Yeah well, absolutely Let's talk about that Because you then make two loan moves to Partick Thistle um, A club that you know really was a bit of an inspiration in your career As you said Yeah so it all kind of came about I was um, quite pally with Neil McCann When he was at Hearts And um, he when he retired He kind of went to He had an agent that he was really pally with um, and he was doing a little bit of like scouting work for him and trying to get him new players and then you know he spoke to me and said look I think I could get you at Partick um, would you be interested and I said yeah so I didn't realise this but Neil McCann and Jackie McNamara were really good mates yeah. as well from obviously Scotland and playing um, in Scotland pretty yeah. much the whole of their career so uh, Jackie spoke to Ian McCall next thing I know I was through playing against Celtic reserves as a, in like a trialist game um, with the first team, like, it was like a pre-season game, and then next thing I know, like I, he looked at me, McCall took me off, and he went, ah, you're, "You're a good player, like I, I want you and stuff." Like that. And the next thing I know, it was like I think it was maybe a week or so, and I was signed there permanently for the start of the season. Uh, yeah. No permanently, sorry, on loan yeah. for the start of the season, and then you know had a good. Uh, it was a, a wake-up call, really, from mm. boys' football to yeah. um, men's football because I was only 19. I was a centre half coming into, yeah. you know. A decent league that was that was tough at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, and I made all, I made a few mistakes, and you know, but I learned from them, and mm-hmm. I think that's what I've done throughout my career. You know, I've, I've, I did have mistakes in me when I was younger, but I've probably erased that from my game. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned you mentioned Ian McCall there, who is a bit of a legend of Scottish football. When someone like that gives you great praise, when you've just played a, even just a friendly match against Celtic, that must give you so much confidence. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I was quite confident when I was younger. You know, I, I was going in um, to that squad and I was looking at the centre halves and I thought, Do you know, like I'm, I'm better than these guys. And you know, looking back, it was probably naive because I'm 19. I've not got any experience under my belt, but I still thought I was better than these guys. And um, I didn't play all the time, but you know, when I did play, I always felt I'd done myself justice. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think I'm obviously must have impressed McCall because he took me back. Um, did he take me back or did he leave? I think he left actually, and then he but he re-signed me again for A United, you know, some years yeah. later. So yeah. you know, you obviously I left a mark with him, and you know, I thank him for that as well because he was the ultimately the one that gave me the opportunity to play first team football. Yeah, and you mentioned Jackie McNamara as well. I mean, what is he like? Because obviously, you know, he's had a fantastic playing career, and obviously, just come out the the the, the right end, thankfully, of a, a really tough health-wise last few months. Yeah, I mean, like, thank God that he, you know, he's recovered from this. Um, I, I noticed that he'd done a wee video message yes. the day on Twitter, so it was really good to see him looking well. Um, yeah, but he, he was great. I mean, when he was he was still playing when I was at um, Thistle, so mm-hmm. me and him used to travel in from Edinburgh every day, you know, and I, I thank him for that because I probably rinsed him out of a few <laughs> miles of petrol. Um, <laughs> but nah, he, he was a, he was a great guy. He was a great man, you know. And there was times where you know maybe I, I didn't think I played that well on a on a Saturday, and I would maybe I'd made a mistake or maybe I thought I could have done better. And he always just said, look, like it's part and parcel of the game. You're young. You've got to learn from it, and you know. Just someone like that that played at the highest level, yeah. telling you that you had, you know, everything was going to be right, was, yeah. you know, really it, it calmed you down a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he obviously went and got the manager's job, um, and you know, he signed. He asked me to sign on a permanent, and then, yeah. you know, obviously that what's happened next is, you know, he had a, an average. 
average season the year that he became full-time gaffer and then he um, went and revamped the squad and you know history speaks for itself yeah. you know we went and won the league at, at pretty much a canter yeah so yeah, he was a great guy, and uh, you know, I still hold him in high regard. I still speak to him every now and again. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's just good to see him back on absolutely. his feet. And absolutely, looking healthy. You also mentioned Neil McCann earlier on. I mean, obviously, another a guy who's also had an excellent playing career. I mean, what is Neil like as a person? Because he just seems a really great guy, and as someone who has got so much knowledge of the game. Yeah, he, he's great. Um, he's he's demanding, and that's. You know, he trained with us a couple of times when he was at Thistle, and then he unfortunately done his knee as well in, in one of the training sessions with mm. us. So, but you could see the quality he had. You know, even though he was a little bit older, mm. he was demanding on the players. You know, he demanded himself. He was fit as a fiddle. So, yeah. you know, at the age I think it was like thirty-five or something. He was maybe when he was training with us, but he was still, you know, blasting out long distance runs and all that stuff. So yeah. it was, uh, it was good to see that someone like that, you know, still has a desire at that age to. Um, yeah. To maintain his level, his, his standard of playing and training and stuff like that. So yeah, you always take little snippets from him. And he was good for me as well because when I was a young player, and he was kind of in the, he was helping this agent out. Um, I would speak to him and he would always be like, you know, giving me words of advice and, yeah. you know, saying to me, oh, like, sometimes you've got to think about yourself and, mm. you know, if you start performing for yourself, you'll perform better for the team and yeah. stuff like that and all that stuff. And, you know, maybe it was because I was maybe trying a little bit too hard, trying to um, do other people's jobs or, like, trying to make an impression. You know, he was just, he was really good and he really kind of put things in playing context for me and it, it kind of, like I said it stand me in good stead for the future yeah absolutely and I was just looking at your stats here you scored your first goal um, against Stirling Albion in 2011 yeah, I, mean, I mean is that a great moment to get your first goal that must be a, a fantastic memory for you just yeah, getting your first I still goal remember. I still remember that um, game actually. It was because uh, we played in the old, I think it was the old centenary strips that they had. That's right. I mean, they were they, they were baggy as anything, but yeah, it was my first goal. Um, and from a corner, it was a header. And I remember because it was a Tuesday night, and I, I was like, I was that buzzing. I, I went out on a Tuesday and <laughs> got myself absolutely steaming. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! So, <laughs> so, so yeah, so um, yeah, I was buzzing. Your first first kind of career senior goal so yeah I always remember that and after, you know I was lucky enough that I scored pretty much every season I had with Plastic so yes. you know I've had a few goals with them yeah you scored I was just looking at your stats here it, it, including your two loan spells and your obviously your your four years from 2012-2015 you were at Thistle um, 12 goals in just over 130 games which is uh, some fair going I would say for a, for a centre half that is for sure um, yeah. just looking at some of the, the, the things as well at Partick Thistle some of the players you played Alongside, who were your uh, real guys that you enjoyed playing with at Thistle? Um, who was there? There was um, so when I first went there, they had like a bit of a, a, a change squad. So they had the likes of Simon Donnelly, mm-hmm. um, Liam Buchanan, Paul Kenny, Paul Payton. Uh, who else did they have? They had uh, Ian Maxwell, who's on the SFA board now. Yes, um, a lot of experience. Yeah, yeah, they had, they had a lot of experience in the, in the in the squad. So you know, like Simon Donnelly, you could see he was class. You know, he yes. played at a really high level as well, like Jackie had. Um, and then as you kind of get older, as you move on, you know, and when Jackie started putting his squad together, you know, the likes of Chris Erskine, um, although they were there when I was there at the beginning, him, Doolan, um, you know, you've got lads like really good mates of mine, Welshy, um, James Craig, and Stevie Lawless. You know, all these people yes. that were. 
you look back on it, you actually think, you know, they've had really good careers now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some people like like Welsh who probably injuries probably stopped them from yeah. reaching the level that he should be playing at. Yeah, absolutely. but again, you know, that's part and parcel of football, and you know, he's he's he know he understands that and he knows that. But yeah, there's some players that I've you know kept in touch with, and had friends for life since I've met them at Thistle. So yeah, there's lo- there's loads of people that have um, been at Thistle with that you know. I could pretty much that whole championship when the squad there was talent yes. in every position. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was uh, special times that. Yeah, and talk about talk to me about Fir Hill because it's a, a really iconic ground in Scottish football, and the fans really show their appreciation to the players, don't they? Yeah, yeah, the, the fans are brilliant. You know, um, I feel for them now with what's going on with the whole pandemic and yeah. Scottish football you know going down it's not nice um, it's not nice to see you know especially considering that we were the ones that got them up to the Premier League and then you know within oh, I think it's six years or something like that you know they've been relegated to League One um, so yeah so they are they're, they're great you know they're they really back the team, especially if they're doing, you know, when they're down and things aren't going well, they'll always turn out in the numbers and, you know, yeah. hopefully, you know, either league reconstruction can save them or if not, you know, they go up and uh, they go and have a great season next year with Ian McCall at the, at the helm and, you know, get back up asking yes. for this chance. Absolutely. Um, obviously, you mentioned that part of this whole team obviously went on to win the league title. I mean, what was that like just being part of that setup and being part of a team that was very successful? Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. Um, it was my first kind of it was my first part of being in a team that was challenging for promotion. Um, you know, the uh, Thistle team that I was in the last couple of years, they were always kind of mid table, weren't really going anywhere. Um, probably near the relegation zone, and they were you know going up. So it was a bit of a bit of a relief to actually go and start winning games every week and having the pressure on you on us, you know, we, we thrived off it and we had such a good squad and boys that were all roughly the same age but yeah. c- c- and, um, Stephen Craig um, you know, it just it just it clicked for some reason yeah. um, you know, it was, it was unbelievable and you know, I always look back and just think, oh, you know, like I'll never forget that season. It was, it was just unbelievable. And you know, sometimes you just watch YouTube videos and Partick Thistle are putting up on their Twitter just now all the um, majority of the games from that season as well. Yeah. You just realise how yeah. good actually some of the players were, and you know, some of the football that we played because we were a very good football inside. Yeah. yeah. And I think mm-hmm. even when we went up to the Premier League, as much as we maybe didn't get the results, our football was second to none, and we pretty much. Past every team, maybe barring Celtic, off the park. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in football and possession-wise, but we just, you know, we didn't have that. Yeah. Um, knack of getting the goals in, in the Premier League, which was frustrating. Well, the season that you got promoted to the Premier League, I was just reading here that you actually won all the pl- club player of the year awards, which is quite some going. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, boys take the absolute mick out of me for that. I think it's because I was quite. Um, Busy on Twitter and stuff, like that, so maybe that, that had a wee bit of a sway towards it. But, but don't get me wrong, I, I had a good season. I mean, yeah, um, I think I missed the first eight or nine games mm. from the from the league, and I came in against Cowden Beef in the I think it was the old Ramsden's Cup, mm-hmm. and we kept the clean sheet. We got into the I think it was a final from when we beat Cowden Beef, and you know I, I kept my place ever since then. Mm-hmm. But I, I look back and yeah, I probably 
did I deserve to win every single award? No, I, I didn't. No way. When there was boys like um, Chris Erskine, Steph Craig, um, Ross Forbes, uh, who else? Um, Stevie Lawless, all that, all them players, you know, scoring pretty much every week and you know winning his games. You know, it was just one of these things where you know I think I scored quite. I think I scored about seven or eight goals that season. Yeah. So at the same time. I've, uh, you know, I chipped in with a fair few goals, and you know, we we were a young back four as well. So, you know, I think keeping as many clean sheets that we did was quite yeah. impressive as well. So, I think maybe you know that's maybe one of the reasons why I swayed it. And I think the majority, of, um, the main reason was that I was quite busy on Twitter, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're honest in your assessment of that sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You you obviously um, had the time in the Premier League. Um, obviously, Alan Archibald was manager at the time. I mean, what was Alan like? Because he's a part of this legend, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's a great guy. Um, really funny. Um, I got on well with him. I played with him. Um, when he when I first came there, he was he was captain. He was centre half. So I usually played with him if it was going to be anyone. And then he stepped into the managerial role, and you know he took it in a stride. To be fair, I don't think he was quite ready for it at that time. Yeah. But I think with the players that he had, it just kind of like I said, you know, everything just clicked, and it just helped us, and it just pushed us on further, knowing that everyone mm-hmm. was in this together. Everyone yeah. that was finishing this league had um, started it. As yeah. a player, you know, so it was really nice to know that. Yeah. But then when we go up to the Premier League, you know, he, he's, it's a different kettle of fish. You know, you've got to go and do your recruitment, you've got to go and do your, you know, your analysis and stuff like that. And, you know, players are better, you know, you've got to make sure that everything's in. And, yeah. You know, he did that for the first, you know, five, however long he was there until they got relegated. And I think it just, things happen. I don't know, I wasn't there, so um, I can't really comment. But the times that I, I was there when we did when um, when we were in the Premier League. You know, I thought we had a really good squad. We had a really good balance. We had a really good team spirit. Um, so, you know, I can only go by that. And you know, I think it was credit ourselves. You know, we managed to stay up both seasons yeah. on probably a fraction of what some people were spending at the time. Definitely, definitely. So, yeah. No, so, it's yeah, so I think it. But it's just good to see him back in football now. Mm-hmm. No, no, absolutely. And it sounded like you had a fantastic career at Party Thistle. He then made the move to Kilmarnock in, in 2015. Um, how did that come about? So I left um, when I when I was at Thistle. Um, I went and spoke to the manager, and I just said, "Look, what's going on?" And he said, "I wasn't on much money at Party in, in the Premier League." So I said to him, "But what's going on? I've played pretty much." 30 odd games plus um, for the two seasons now that we've been in the league you know kept them up you know, like I think I deserve a contract that I feel like I'm worth now at the time they had um, Freddie Franz and Dan Seaborn who were you know really good players and had really good careers and stuff and I think they were on a lot more money than what I was on and he just kind of said to me like look Conrad you're I, I want to give you what probably you're worth but I can't offer you what the, what you want because we've got two centre halves that are on good money and I can't justify it to the board and stuff like that. I says look that's fine I says look I've been here for five years now maybe it's time that I move move on mm-hmm. and he says well where do you think I go and my, my plan all the time was I wanted to move abroad I really wanted to go and try something basically excuse my French but um, shit hit the fan basically uh-huh. and we, uh-huh. we just started we started struggling really really yeah. badly and then Sackings happened and then Lee yeah. Clark came in and yeah, that's it just right. was a disaster from there. Mm-hmm. And Kilmarnock were going through a really tough time at that, that stage, weren't they? Because as you mentioned, Gary Locke was there and then Lee Clark was there. And it was only when sort of Steve Clark came back in that Kilmarnock sort of came out of the doldrums again and became a solid force again in Scottish football. Yeah, so I think um, I left the year Lee Clark went to Bury. Mm-hmm. So 
I think after four or five months, he went and he joined Bury. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, I could have just easily stayed there instead of signing for Air. Yeah. And, um, you know, it might have changed because, you know, I might have been able to get myself back in. Because bearing in mind, I always said this, you know, I don't think Kelly's seen the best of me because as much as I started well, I didn't have a base level of fitness because yeah. I had no pre-season. I didn't do yeah. any... I couldn't get in training with anyone. No one was letting me come in mm-hmm. um, for one reason or another. Um, I was keeping myself fit, but there's nothing like keeping yourself fit. By did Sir United because you you then moved there in 2016. Um, was fortunes a bit better there? Yeah, it, it, I really enjoyed it. Um, I was reluctant to go because it was part time. I was 26, I think 26, 27 maybe, and. I thought, you know, like if I go part time now, I'm going to struggle getting back in full time. But then, like Ian McCall was saying to me, look, our plan is to stay in the league and then go full time next year, and then you know we'll keep you on a longer term contract at full time. Um, you know, the money I was getting at United for part time, it was it was full time wages, and you know, I, there's no hiding the fact from that. Uh, it's just a shame that I just think McCall. Uh, we just didn't have the calibre of player to stay in that league and yeah. I just think yeah. everyone in that dressing room no, um, kind of understood what what was wrong um, yeah. and we just couldn't get couldn't get out of it and we just couldn't stop it um, but yeah I mean it's probably go, probably the best thing for them because they went down the league they regrouped they went full time and you know look at where they are now you know yeah. Yeah. in the playoff spots absolutely um, and- yeah, absolutely. And then you moved to to, to Falkirk um, the, the the following year. Um, obviously, another different club again, and a club now that you obviously see where they are at the moment. You know, down in League One, and you know it's it's been a struggling time for Falkirk as a club. Yeah, I mean Falkirk one kind of came about. Um, so it was funny because I'd always, I still wanted to go abroad, and I um, I'd had a phone call from an agent who had someone in Greece that was looking at. One of the same. So I went through to Glasgow and I met these club rep- representatives, and you know we agreed pretty much all the contract. But my partner was due to have a baby yeah. in like two weeks, and I said to them, "Look, there's no point in me going over until he's born because I'm just going to have to fly straight back, and yeah. it could be due any time." So um, they said, "Look, that's absolutely fine. Have the baby, and then let us know. We'll, you'll come out for a medical, and we'll we'll get everything wrapped up." And we're like, "Oh, brilliant!" And then in the meantime, you know, it was. Um, we just asked for the paperwork to be sent over and yeah. I, I was going away from this meeting like oh my word this is unbelievable you know it was really good money it was a good good place to live it was um, a really good opportunity because it was in the Greek Super League mm-hmm. don't know how how it came about but it, it did and then we uh, we were like both like you know really happy with each other and you know buzzing because it would have been decent and then you know we just were like look send the contract over a week past no contract they kept on saying yeah everything's fine like we'll get the contract to you blah 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 another week passed look what's going on with the contract yeah it's fine they're just um, they're, they're looking at signing a striker first and they want to get that done and then they're going to sort you out and I was like right fair enough and then we just stopped hearing from them and then the baby was born and then we just couldn't even get in contact with them and it just fell through so yeah. it was back back to square one you know hadn't really been yeah. actively looking for a club because we pretty much agreed this verbally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With it, with everyone, yeah. um, and then Falkirk were struggling, and then you know I managed to get myself into Falkirk, yeah. and then you know signed a short-term deal, and then Paul yeah. Hartley came in, and then it just kind of uh, it was just terrible, and then I uh, got let go in December because my contract was up, which I yeah. always knew I was going to happen, just yeah. the way it happened. Yeah. I wasn't happy about, and then went down to Torquay United, yeah, 
Yeah. So when, 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 when in that period, then would you have said that was a time that was almost the lowest point of your career? Yeah, it was. It was terrible. I was. I was signing a contract basically, and I was knowing that I was probably going to be in the same position either in six months or in a year's time when the contract was up. And I was mm. just like, "What? What am I doing now? I'm fighting for." Boys, that you know, they're good players and stuff. But I, it goes back to that self belief that I always thought I was better than these guys. The chemistry wasn't there. Yeah, and I just, you know, it was just one of these things where it was just getting to the time, and I just thought, what's going on? Like, why, why am I doing this to myself? Like, why can't I not just get a club that's going to offer me yeah. a two or three year contract and you know, give me money which I probably deserved? You know, yeah. I think I've been, I've played over three hundred games now, so and I'm still yet to come into my peak, and teams were like, still not. Yeah. Even taking me in for a trial or anything like that, I was just how, like, "This is." How did that make you feel mentally? Because that must have been quite hard to take. Yeah, it was. It was. It was difficult, and that's what I'm, I was just said. You know, it's it's that self belief. You know, I, I've seen boys signing for clubs, and I thought, like, how are they get that move? Like, I'm I'm much better than them now. Whether or not that's true, it's down to fans and stuff like that. But you know, I've seen players that have been kept on at clubs and I've been released I've seen boys that have signed in front of me and I'm just thinking to myself you know like how can that happen but at the same time it's football you just got to deal with it and you know like I said everything happens for a reason and I probably yeah. I'm yeah. probably going to be in a better position yeah. in five years time than what a lot of these guys will be yeah you, had a, you had mentioned a short spell at Torquay obviously in the National League I mean what level of football is that like in comparison to the other leagues in Scotland um, it's it's a different type of football. They're all just massive, six foot, quick guys who just don't stop running. Um, I personally didn't think it was great. Sound. I mean, there was a couple of boys and there was a couple of decent teams there, but I didn't think it was anything better than what you'd get in the Scottish Championship. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it's different type of football because up at, I would say up in Scotland, it's more. People might laugh at this, but it's more technical mm. up in Scotland. Yeah. You know, down there, down in especially the national league, it's a lot of physicality. Yeah. And, you know, it's. it's I think so as well. Actually, it's, it's an interesting point. I actually agree with that. It's it's who can hold your own down there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm I'm not a small lad. I'm I'm quite big. Well, I'm about six foot, and I'm quite strong. So <laughs> I was just I was I was dwarfed yeah. by some guys down yeah. there, yeah. and it was just. It didn't affect me, but it was just you noticed a massive difference. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the reason why some teams wouldn't take a chance on you yeah. because of maybe you're not a six foot three centre half. Yeah. Um, and stuff. How you know it's just one of the things. But yeah, and we think about up in Scotland, you've got a lot of small players um, mm. who are technically probably better than what they are down there. But when they go down there, they struggle with the physicality. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's what I feel the difference is. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about present day because you're at Edinburgh City at the moment. Um, a really good side going well in League Two. I mean, are you? I take it you're in. Join your football there at the moment. Yeah, absolutely love it. I've probably not been as happy and you know since my days at Partick. Yeah, I've, I've said that openly. So uh, you know, it's a really good club, really good manager, really good bunch of boys, um, good ambition. And mm. you know, I'm hoping that over the next few years, you know, we can get the club to where it wants to be, mm. and then hopefully, mm. you know, by the time I retire and. I've, I've helped the club yeah. realise some of their ambitions. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Ainsley Park at the beginning of the show. I was actually going to actually come and watch you guys before the coronavirus shutdown. I think you were supposed to play <laughs> Cowden Beath, I think. Um, right, the day, okay, I yeah. think it was going to be that game, and everything got called off. And I was actually in Edinburgh, I was going to go to that game, and it was a real shame that that was postponed because that would have been quite a good sell. But you mentioned um, Edinburgh City there and, and the setup there at Ainsley Park. I mean, is the ambition for that club to, to keep, continue to keep moving up the league? Because League Two is, you know, 
very closely matched with you know the Lowland League and the Highland League. There's not a lot to choose between a lot of these clubs. And then if we make the step up to League One, obviously it's a it's a bit more challenging. Yeah, I mean when I first signed, because I, I when I decided that I was going to go part time, I. I spoke to the club and I said, look, I don't want to just come into a club that's going to be fighting relegation, doing yeah. all this. Like, what's your ambition? What's your plans? And they said, they openly said to me, look, we've got a five-year plan. We want to be the best part-time team in Scotland um, mm. in, within five years. Now, whether or not we can do that, it's remained to be seen. But, you know, at least they've got ambitions to go and try and fulfil that. You know what I mean? And hopefully I can help them, mm-hmm. help them do that. Yeah. But, you know, they've got... They've got a decent squad. We've got a good squad now. So if we do go up either through re- league reconstruction yeah. or if we go, if we end up going through over the next year um, by winning the league or going through the playoffs next yeah. year, yeah. then you know we've got a good foundation there to you know build and go on. And, you know the, the club's getting bigger and bigger as you know weeks and months pass Definitely. because you know they're doing a lot of marketing. They're doing a lot of you know social events. Mm-hmm. They're doing a lot of um, you know stuff for. You know, just to get their name about Absolutely. it, get people aware of what they are, because you know they're not they're not a massive club, but you know they need help from certain fans. You know, so absolutely, you know, they're doing what they can, and you know it's down to us on the pitch to try and get get the results on the pitch for helping that club move forward. You mentioned obviously you're now doing playing part time football. I mean, how easy is that to adjust to to playing on a weekday, a weekend? Sorry, and then obviously you've got your own life with your own family as well. How how tough is it to keep that a nice balance there? Yeah, when I was at Air, because they were part time and I was on a kind of full time wage, I was able to take the day off. I wasn't really working, so what I was able to do at Air was I was able to go to the gym and keep my fitness up. So pretty much every other day I was in the gym I was doing running I was doing weights and I was able to keep that level of fitness up for being part time now it's a to- completely different ball game because I've got a job I've got a family I've got football at night so you're having to balance it and you have to try and maintain your fitness mm-hmm. um, Tuesdays, Thursdays and then playing on Saturday you've got to try and you know watch what you're doing during the day and the other days because you know I'm not going to be going to the gym when I can spend time with my yeah. wee boy when I don't see him yeah. a lot of the time do you know what I mean no, so I've got I've got to take it easy and I've got I've got to look after myself but yeah the, I mean the difference is just you know you do realise you do see a, your fitness going like a, there's no painting around the, the bush you know five six years ago I was a lot fitter than probably what I, what I am now <laughs> but I'm still fit enough I'm still fit enough that I can get through a game yeah. and yeah. you know I've not, I've not, I've, I think I've been injured I think out of two seasons I've missed Two games. Yeah. So, you know, it goes to show that, you know, even though I was fit probably five, yeah. three or four years yeah. ago, whenever it was, I was probably more injured when I was fitter. Yeah. And now I'm not missing as many games. Does life after football um, concern you at all? I mean, I've spoken to a few people like Lee Mayer and David McCracken in previous shows that, that have thought about life post football and think about what is the next stages. I mean, what is the next stage for you when you retire? Yeah, so I um, I always kind of knew that football was probably going to come to an end. That I needed to set up for life after football, and it was a, it was after Torquay that I decided that I was going to do that and I was going to start planning for life mm. after football. Yeah. So I um, I I became a financial advisor. Okay. So I've I've got my own company with um, a company called St James's Place Wealth Management. Right. So I've, I've I've managed to go and get my diploma in financial planning. So I've got really? my level four. Um, I've got my own company. I've got you know my own clients, and you know I'm building up a, I'm building up a, a business from 
the beginning and hopefully you know when I do retire at the age of 32 33 whenever it is you know I've got a decent business Absolutely. in the background that I can I can just rely on that um, and you know I'll be happy and the transition from football to uh, from part-time football to no football will be a lot easier than what a lot of people might find Is it something that professionals should be thinking about more and more because you know I, I, I was reading in the paper about a few months back about people like Shea Logan who's at Aberdeen trying to train to be a plumber you know the, things like that is it something that football players need to maybe give a little bit more consideration to? Absolutely yeah it's, if you think about the average salary in Scotland I mean I think my average salary would have been about seven, 800 quid a week maybe mm. um, in Scotland you know it's not life changing it's a normal job I mean, don't get me wrong. It's you, you get bonuses and stuff on top of that, which can take it up to you know a good amount per year. But it's not going to provide you money. It's not going to provide you food on the table for the yeah. next 20, 30 years. Yeah, um, absolutely. So yeah, so the, unless unless you go and get a, a move to a Celtic or Rangers and you become you know a big player and you you are starting in some serious coin, then you're always going to have to work after football. Definitely, definitely. Now, yeah. Oh, sorry, I, I mean, uh, sorry, Anigo. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, so I, I, I've been I've been meeting a lot of people, a lot of footballers in my job, trying to help them for you know life after football, putting money away to make sure that when the time comes from the transition from um, full time football to getting a normal job, they've got at least a bit of a, a nest yes, nest fund definitely, there definitely. to to fall back on because these people don't know how long they're going to be out of work. They don't know what jobs are going to be, and um, they might have to start on a salary that's not enough for their. Mm-hmm. Uh, outgoing so it's making I help them put a plan in place to make sure that when the time comes yeah. they've got something there and that's what I'm I'm able to do with my job and I, I like helping boys but yeah a lot of people don't know what they're going to do and I see a lot of people that you know desperate to stay full time for the likes of Wraith Rovers who are offering 350, 400 quid a week and I'm just thinking what what's the point in that like user just yeah. like that's just doing nothing for Delaying you like, go the get inevitable. A job, get a career yeah yeah, like that's what that's why I went part time because I was delaying the inevitable. You know, there was teams like Queen of the South that were offering me like, well, said they could have potentially offered me like 400, 450 quid a week if I was yeah. to sign under Gary Naismith. Yeah, I mean, no disrespect, I was, I think I was twenty seven at the time. I'd played almost three hundred games. Mm-hmm. Ninety of them were, hundred of them were in the Premier League, mm-hmm. and I was getting offered four hundred quid a week. Yeah, so. To me, it was a no-brainer. I was going to go part time and start a career for myself because yeah. there's no point in trying to beat around the bush. Yeah, this uh, was always going to happen to me, and I, and I can guarantee you that a lot of my mates will probably be look at me and thinking, in the future, oh, I wish I'd done what Conrad did. Yeah, well, it's good that you thought of these things through because I think, as I mentioned, a lot of people have this sort of uncertainty about where does the future hold. So this kind of reads on very nicely to my sort of last question to you, Conrad. I mean, what does the future hold for yourself? Because obviously you've got a family now that you're, you're obviously supporting. Obviously, we obviously the coronavirus is causing issues with that at the moment. But you know, you have your family there. You have this business that you're doing really well at the moment. Is that is the end goals for that to to make sure you do the best in in that regard? But also try to have a solid a football career as possible. Yeah, I mean, I think football-wise, you know, I want to play. I've got another two-year contract with Edinburgh City, which I signed in January. So, um, so I'll, I'll sorry, someone just called me there. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> um, so I've got a, I've got a um, a contract until uh, for the next two years. So that's you know a bit of security that takes me up to my thirty-first birthday. Yeah. And then you know I'll re- I'll review it. Then I'll see what's happening with Edinburgh City. I'll see what's happening with myself and my business. Um, take it from there now with my business you know yeah it's just building up a client bank building up some um, building up my business you know getting word of mouth about making sure that people know this is what I'm doing now this is my 
this is my full time job now. I'm a financial advisor. I'm not a professional footballer anymore. Yeah. Um, I was I was an ex footballer. Now I'm a financial advisor helping yeah. people. Yeah. You know achieve their goals and the objectives for the future yeah. so you know it's it's making sure that that's viable for the future um, you know like I said you know I've got a renovated um, property just underway now so that's going to be taking uh, a lot of time to get into that so getting that sorted and then you know my missus is a uh, deputy head teacher at school so you know we're, we're in a decent position where we've both got hopefully good long term careers that you know will set us up for the future Well absolutely and I really wish you guys all the best, I've, re- I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation Conrad and I really do genuinely wish you all the best in the rest of your career and in your future career as well and I just want to end up by saying thank you very much for being a guest on the Campbell's Footballs Podcast No problem Grant, thank you very much for having me Well, listener, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs. I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered. If you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows, follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to other podcasts. You can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs. Search for me, StatoG91 on Instagram or other social media channels. But until then, until next time... I hope you enjoyed the crack and enjoy Campbell's footballs. What a dangerous night.